Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. Paul is writing to a young man, Timothy, who was in charge of the church. And this is what he tells him. He says, this charge or this command I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, or about the prophecies that were spoken over your life, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So saying, Timothy, I have something to tell you about prophecies that have been spoken over your life. Prophecies, these are just words from God that have been spoken over your life. He says, I want you to pay attention to this. He says, I want you to take the prophecies that have been spoken over your life and do what with it? Write it down, stick it on your wall, put it on the fridge door, refrigerator door. No, no, no. He says, Timothy, I want you to do something. I want you to take the prophecies that have been spoken over your life and using those prophetic words, I want you to fight a good fight. You know, so prophecies are not decorations that we have on our, on our Christian life. Ooh, I got a prophecy. One more stuff here. <laughs> That's not what prophecies are meant for. Prophecies are given so that you and I can take them and fight a good fight. Amen? And so he's saying, Timothy, I want you to take these prophetic words that were spoken over your life, use those words to fight a good fight. So obviously there's going to be an enemy that's going to try to stop you from fulfilling those prophetic words. Otherwise there's no need to fight about those prophetic words. Amen? But he says, what I want you to do is to take those words. Those prophetic words, words of prophecy spoken over your life, and then fight a good fight. Now, how would Timothy do that? How would he take prophetic words that maybe Paul spoke over him or somebody else spoke over him? How would he take those words and fight with the devil? Fight a good fight. But what do you do with words? You believe words and you say words. Amen? That's what you do with words. You believe words and you say words. So what does Timothy have to do? He has to believe those prophetic words that were spoken over his life. And then he's going to say it. Declare that. This is what the Lord has spoken concerning me. This is what God has said that I will accomplish for his kingdom on the earth. This is the, thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to fulfill it. And no devil from hell is going to stop me from fulfilling what God has spoken over my life. Amen. So you and I need to do the same thing. When prophetic words have been spoken on life, take them and believe them, say them, fight a good fight with the words of the Lord. Now interestingly, this is the greatest prophecy spoken over your life. Amen? Peter calls it the prophecy of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, no prophecy of Scripture was given by any private interpretation, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The scriptures is called prophetic words. This is the greatest prophetic word ever spoken over your life. Right here. The written word of God. 
So if I can take the words that man, God uses man to speak over my life, then definitely I can take every prophecy of Scripture and wage a good warfare. Amen? And fight to see this happen and be fulfilled in my life. And refuse to quit until I see every prophetic word in Scripture concerning me come to pass. Got to wage a good warfare. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. Let's wage a good warfare. Let's fight a good fight with the sword of God in our hand. Lift your Bibles high up in the air. Believe it. Say it loudly with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Give a big high five to the person sitting next to you. Give them your name if they don't know who you are. And you may be seated. This is our last Sunday in this auditorium. We're excited about it. Excited that we're moving on. Excited that we're taking a next step. Amen. So this morning I want to talk to you about taking the next step. Tell a neighbor, taking the next step. You know, all of us come to a point in life. Many points in life, many times in life, many places in life where we have to take the next step. And so this morning, I just want to share with you some practical instructions on taking the next step, on moving forward with God in your life. Just some practical things. You know, there are some many, many major next steps in life. For example, when you come to 10th standard, like it or not, you have to take the next step. Decide. Do you want to take the science stream or commerce stream? And then two years later, again, another next step. College. Do I want to do engineering? Do I want to do whatever? Well, now they have so many different options here. Next step. Again, i got to decide. i got to take the next step. You can't just say, well, let me go through college one more time and then I'll decide. Sorry, it's not an option. You have to take the next step. Or, and then when you finish the deg- your degree, whether it's a three-year, a four-year, a five-year degree, you finish it. Some people specialize in degrees. They spend eight years. <laughs> but that's a rare case. But anyway. Anyway, once you finish your degree, you have to take the next step. You got to get on with a job. Get a job. Start working. Doing something with your education and then there's the big thing called marriage you know you can talk about it you can think about it but there comes a day when you have to take the step amen and then there are other steps like job transitions you know you are working with one job you're tired of it you want to move on you can look for another job sometimes you have a total career change you go from you know doing 
something and to move into something totally different. There's a career change. Sometimes you go from being an employee to an employer. Uh, there are other big steps like relocation. You know, you move from Delhi all the way to Bangalore just because you want to attend APC. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's a big, big step. Next step. And then there are smaller next steps in life. For example, you know, you move from one home to another. You know, your lease gets over. It's time for you to move. And you take a smaller. It's a next step because you have to move on. Sometimes you move from school to school. You change schools. Sometimes you move from renting a home to owning a home. Uh, you move from a two-wheeler to a four-wheeler and some... <laughs> Whatever. All of these are next steps in life. And uh, what I want to do this morning is just share with you, you know, some, some practical things that some insights from the Word of God that out of my own personal walk with God, you know, you don't have to be too smart with God. Sometimes you just learn things by accident. You know, you make mistakes and you learn. So, some of the things that I've learned uh, about taking the next step. You know, many times we ask a question, when I'm about to take a next step, you know, what do I do next? Or the big, step, big question is, how do I do this? How do I take this next step? So hopefully some of the things that we learn this morning will help us. You know, I remember back in 1988, I think it was 1988, somewhere around there, when the first time I had anybody prophesy over my life, I went to a little church meeting uh, right here in Bangalore. It was around 1988. It was a midweek meeting. It wasn't a Sunday service or anything. I just went to this place. There were just a few people gathered. And this man of God was prophesying or just giving prophetic words to different people. Then he came to me. He, he never knew me. I never knew him. He didn't know my name, nothing. Uh, he just came to me and he said, you know, the Lord says he has given, his God has given you an adventurous spirit. Some of my people are like a donkey. They don't want to move forward. And some of my people are like the horse. I have to hold them back. But I've given you the ability to walk in step and in time with me. And that was such a powerful word. It was such an encouraging word to me. And it was a confirmation of what God was doing in my life at that particular time because I was stepping out and doing things which some of my peers were not doing. And it was, it was adventurous, something going out, doing something totally different. And uh, I also understood after I heard him that really what he was talking to me was a scripture, was a scripture from Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. So let's go to Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. And nine, to begin our teaching this morning on taking the next step. Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. The Lord says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So God is saying, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you in the way you should go. I mean, this is awesome. God's going to tell me what I need to do in life. God's going to help me understand my next step. So he said, I will teach you. I will guide you in the way you should go. But here's the kind of response I want from you. Verse 9. Do not be like the horse or like the mule. Let's simplify it like the donkey. Which have no understanding, 
which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So God is saying, look, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to let you know what your next steps in life have to be. But here's my, here's the kind of response I want from you. Please don't be like the horse or please don't be like the donkey. So here's revelation number one. Avoid the donkey syndrome. All right? You want to learn how to take the next step with God. Number one, avoid the... Come on, let me hear you. Avoid the... In other words, don't be like a donkey. Tell the neighbor, don't be a donkey. (laughs) So when you want to take the next step with God, God says, please don't be like the donkey. The donkey is stubborn. It's unwilling to move. It's lazy. Or you can stand and sleep right there. And you, can, you have to really hit it hard to get it to move. Stubborn, lazy, unwilling to move. And many of us are like that. We come to the points in life where we are supposed to take the next step. I'm standing there. People ask you, what are you doing? I'm waiting on God. <laughs> Sounds very spiritual, you know. But really, you're being a donkey. But you don't want to admit it. You make it so spiritual, I'm waiting on God. (laughs) Now, please, you know, we all have to wait on God. Yes, but God is saying, I'll teach you, but please don't be like a donkey. I'll tell you what the next step is, but don't be like a donkey. Get moving. So, you know, I just want to think, about a few things that could make a donkey out of us. Number one would be fear of failure. What could make a donkey out of us? Number one, fear of failure. Meaning, what if I make a mistake? So we are so afraid. What if I make a mistake? And that just makes a donkey out of us. But here's what God has assured us of in Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. Psalm 37, 23, 24, and 31. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, or they're established by God. And he, God, delights in this good man's way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. Hey, listen, the Bible says your steps are ordered by the Lord. In other words, they are established by God. So why be so afraid to take a step? Because they are ordered by God. And God delights in your way. Meaning, He really is really interested in your way. He's really interested in the steps you're taking in life. He's busying Himself with your steps. So why be so afraid? To take a step. And verse 24 says, even if you fall, it's not the end of everything. Why? Because God is going to uphold you. Amen. And then verse 31 says, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. God's word is in your heart. You know, what's the point of all this reading the Bible, meditating in the Bible, and then in the end you're not even able able to take a step? 
What's the point of all that if you can't take the next step? So here it says, God's word is in your heart, so none of your steps are going to slip. So go ahead, take this step. Amen? So it's right there. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps will slip. So the benefit of meditating the word and reading the word and studying the word and letting the word dwell in your heart is simply this, that your steps will be secure. So go ahead and take the step. Don't let fear hold you back. I like Psalm 25 verses 12 to 15. It says in Psalm 25 verses 12 to 15, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he teach in the way he chooses. I mean, where is the man who fears God? Are there any people in this building who fear God? Let me see your hands. Yeah. So this word applies for all of us. It says, is there anybody who fears God? God will teach you in the way you should choose. God will teach you what your next step should be. He himself will dwell in prosperity or in goodness. His descendants will inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. Verse 15 is a favorite verse. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You know, sometimes you make a mistake and what happens? You get your feet in the net. Then what do you do? Put your eyes on the Lord. God, please help. Get my feet out. But he said he'll do it. Amen. So even if you make a mistake and you get entangled in a really difficult situation, his word says he will get your feet out of the net. So there should be no fear in our hearts about failure. And failure should not make a donkey out of us, keeping us or preventing us from taking the next step. Psalm 18, verse 36 says, You enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. You enlarged the path under me so that when I put my feet, it was firm and secure. Psalm 18, verse 36. God enlarged the, the feet of uh, the land under me. So when I took my step, it was secure. So God will ensure that your steps are secure. But you have to take the step. Amen. What many of us do not realize is this, that indecision is a step in itself. Because you are deciding not to decide. Amen? So you're waiting. What are you doing? I'm waiting on God. So you've decided not to take a step. Just wait on God. You're not decided. That's your decision. Undecided. For how long? Three years? Four years? Five years? Undecided. It's a step in itself. So don't let fear make a donkey out of you. Another, another thing that can make a donkey out of us is fear of the unknown. Fear of the Oh, it's so spooky out there. You know, oh, what's it going to be like when I take this step? What's it going to be like when I go to college? You know, school was fine. But what would college be like? Do I really have to go to college? There's something called ragging. I don't know if it still goes on nowadays. but Oh, I don't want to go to college because of, you know. And, uh, oh, what will it be like once I get married? There's no way to find out. <laughs> so it's so spooky there. Ooh, I'm afraid. And so fear of the unknown can just make a donkey out of us. We're just standing there doing nothing, not able to take the next step. You know, you can never step into your future unless you're willing to step out of your present. 
You can never step into your future unless you're willing to step out of your present. The present is known. It's very comfortable. The future is unknown. It's very, very scary. But you can never step into your future unless you step out of your present. Hebrews 11 verse 8 talks about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called by God, went not knowing where he was going. See, this is the walk of faith. You've got to be able to go even when you don't know where you're going. And that's what Abraham did. He went out. He, God said, I'm going to give you a land. Abraham said, God, I mean, Abraham didn't say, God, where's the address? What's it like? No. He just obeyed God. He went out not knowing where he was going. All he had was a promise from God, I'll take you to a place. Anybody asks, asks him, where are you going? God knows the place. I'm just, going, I'm just following one step at a time. So we've got to come to a place where we can step, be, be unafraid to step into the unknown because God's gone ahead of you. It's not unknown to Him. Amen? A third thing that can make a donkey out of us is attachments, ties that bind. Now some of us think the umbilical cord was cut in the hospital the day you were born. But for some, it's still holding on to us. Relational ties, maybe with our family, maybe with our friends. You know, relationships are important, but they're not more important than the will of God. Amen? If God tells you to arise up and go, and it means to leave your father's house behind, man, you have to do it. Don't allow your relational attachments, whether it's with family or with friends or whatever, don't allow those things to hold you behind and prevent you from taking your next step. You cannot allow that to happen. Some of us, are, our attachments are religious in nature. I've been a Methodist for 25 years. I can say that. You know, nothing wrong with Methodist. I was one. Right? I've been a Methodist for 25 years. This thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not for Methodists. Excuse me, are you a believer? The Bible says God is pouring out His Spirit on all flesh. So sometimes our religious attachment keeps us from taking the next step into the fullness of the truth that God wants to bring us into. Amen? So you've got to be willing to let go. You say, I've been 25 years like this. So what? Here's the truth. Accept it. Take the step. Walk into the truth. Amen? So what if you have to let go of your religious baggage? You'll be lighter. You'll be happier. You'll be more free. When the truth sets you free. Amen. So for some of us, it's our religious attachments. You know, I've been brought up this way. I've been, I'm part of this religious system. So what? Get out of the system. Get into the truth of the word of God. Be free in God. For some of us, it can be our rational attachments. Meaning, we are very logical. Only if something goes through our analysis process, is it right? But many times, God is bigger than your way of thinking. And so it's, it is our rational attachment to a certain way of uh, thinking that prevents us from taking the next step. Because what God is saying doesn't fit into your process. It's an attachment. It's rational. It's reasoning. And just because it, it doesn't fit, doesn't, uh, it, it can prevent you from taking the next step. So... Here's the conclusion. Don't let the attachments of today become shackles that prevent you 
from stepping into your tomorrow. Amen? It's good to have relationships. It's good to, you know, know what you, what you believe. And it's good to, uh, you know, have some sort of a way of thinking. But don't let it prevent you from taking the next step that God wants you to take. Another thing that could uh, make a donkey out of us is this thing called perpetual preparation. Preparation is good, but perpetually preparing, something's wrong with that. So you finish your bachelor's, you do your master's, you finish your master's, you get your PhD. After your PhD, you do a postdoc. You're now in your third postdoc. You're still preparing. Listen, there comes a time when you just have to graduate. <laughs> Amen? Or it's like this, this girl who wants to get married. She goes to counseling for a pastor, and the pastor says, you know, Marriage is good, but you need to prepare for it. So the pastor says, what, what can I do? And she asks him, what can I do to prepare? She says, you read some good marriage books. So she goes to the bookstore, buys 10 marriage books, and she starts reading. So one year goes by, she has to complete 10 books. <laughs> Next day you go to her and say, are you ready for marriage? No, no, no. I just, got, I just found 10 more new books on marriage. So year two goes by. She's finished the 20th book on marriage. Year three, are you ready for marriage? No, no, no. I just found 10 more books. See, at some point, you just have to get married. Amen? Preparation is good. Yes, you have to prepare. But listen, if you're perpetually preparing, something is wrong. It's making a donkey out of you. Because you've got to take the step someday. Amen? So, avoid the donkey syndrome. Because God said, I'll teach you, I'll guide you. But please don't be a donkey. Number two. The second thing that we need to understand about taking the next step is this. Avoid being hasty horsey. It's like it's, you know, children's church this morning. Avoid being hasty horsey. In other words, you know, the horse is by nature, it's wild, it's uh, un ungoverned, unwilling to be tamed, and it's uh, uh, until it's, you know, really brought in and made obedient. So the horse is always wanting to go ahead. Urge ahead, move ahead. And so God says, don't be like the horse. That you've got to be held back. Learn to walk in time and in step with God. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says, He who is hate, the hand of the diligent make brings good, but he who is hasty ends up in poverty. Proverbs 21 verse 5. He who is hasty ends up in poverty. Isaiah 28 and verse 16 teaches us, it says, He who believes will not make haste. So if you're a believer, you're not going to run around in a hurry. There's a sense of calmness and confident assurance about you. You're not running around frantic, oh, i got to take a step, I've got to take a step. No, you have this confident assurance. You're learning to walk with God. Timing is, a, is very important. Learn to walk in step and in time with God. Don't be hasty. Don't get ahead of God. Amen? Prepare well. Although I did say perpetual preparation is, is bad, remember that preparation is important. You need to prepare well before you take your next step. Proverbs 4 and verse 26 says, Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder, think about it. Weigh the path of your feet. Understand what you're going to do. Before you just blind it, other than blindly doing it. Weigh the path of your feet. Now one of the most, one of the, 
major decisions Amy and I made after we got married was our transition back from Chicago to Bangalore. And we spent over a year preparing ourselves for it. It wasn't like one day we woke up and boom, you know, angel showed, an angel showed up and says, you got to go to Bangalore and we packed the bags and you know, landed here. It, it wasn't like that. We took time to prepare uh, ourselves mentally, financially, emotionally, in every way, uh, try to prepare ourselves to make the move to Bangalore. Our vision was very clear. We're here to start a church. We're here to establish a work in the city that can impact the city and the nation. Our vision is clear, but we need to prepare for it. We know what our next step should be, but we have to prepare. We're not in the haste. We're not hasty to do it. I, 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 over the course of that year, I sat down and in my, in my little notebook, I kind of wrote down all my thoughts on what kind of a church I'd like to have. How would, would I like to, it to function, etc., etc. All the thoughts that kept coming to my mind over the course of the year, just writing it down. So when we came to start the work, we knew what we had to do. Because we had prepared for it. Amen? So in, in getting ready to t- take the next step, avoid being hasty, prepare well, but don't end up in perpetual preparation. Number three, in taking the next step, you have to be moving if you want steering. Right? You have to be moving if you want steering. Now, we all want God. God, please show me God. Should I go left? Should I go right? Should I go straight? But what's the point in asking God if you've got your handbrake on, your ignition is off, and you're in a parking mode? What's the point? Say, God, should I go right, left, straight? Please start the car. Take off the handbrake. Press on the accelerator. Start moving. And then God can tell you, go straight, go right, or go left. Amen? So you got to be moving if you want. Steering. You just can't sit down there, do nothing, be in parking, and then say, God, guide me. God, show me what to do. Now, you can begin that way, but then you can't forever be that way. You've got to start the ignition at some time. Get off your... Uh, get get the handbrake off and step on the accelerator, start moving, so that then God can bring guidance into your life. A classic example we see in the book of Genesis, the 24th chapter, and the 27th verse, Genesis 24, verse 27. I think there's a mistake on the slide there. In Genesis 24 and verse 27, Abraham has told his servant, he said, Abraham gave instructions to his servant, he said, You know, I want you to go back to my own country and find a bride for my son Isaac. So Abraham's son has been given this tremendous responsibility. I have to go find a bride for my master's son. What does he do? He doesn't go sit behind Abraham, send an offer up, sacrifice God, send send a bride. No. He gets on his camel. He makes his journey all the way to Abraham's country. He arrives there and then he says, okay, God, I've come this far, but now I need some steering. I'm going to stand by the well over there where all the women come to draw water. And Lord, I'm going to ask these ladies for a water, for some water to drink. And the lady who offers water, not only for me, but also for my camels, I'll take it that that's the one for Isaac. So he asked God for some steering. But he wasn't sitting behind Abraham's tent praying this prayer. Amen? He made the journey all the way. Got close to a place where he could find uh, uh, some answer from God. 
And then God, God answered him. Verse 27 of Genesis 24. It says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. Being on the way, the Lord led me. I was driving and God steered, my, steered me in the right direction, the right place. Being on the way, the Lord led me. So you got to start moving. Start doing the stuff that you need to know. That you need to do to take the next step. And then God will guide you. He'll clarify things. You know, many times God just tells you what you need to start doing. And as you start obeying, the rest of the leading and direction begins to unfold. He's not going to give you the whole thing. He's just going to say, start doing this. And you start doing that. And as you start doing it, as you start moving, the rest of the things unfold. We see several examples of that in Scripture. Take, for example, Philip in Acts 8, chapter the 29th verse. All the, Lord, all the Holy Spirit said was, Philip, go join the chariot. Go join the what would you do if God said, go join the auto? <laughs> go get into the auto. You say, God, auto? Who is the driver? Where is it going? Who is inside? Man, your husband could be sitting inside. Your, the, your, your husband too, be sorry. Your husband too, be could be sitting inside. And you're, you're saying, God, please send me the man I must marry. And God says, get into the auto. And you say, auto, no way, God. Where is this auto going? Who's driving? Who's sitting inside? Man, you just prayed and said, God, send me my, the man for my life. And God said, get into the auto. Or in Acts 11 and verse 12, Peter is praying. And the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter and says, go with these. And there are some men knocking on his gates. Total strangers. He's never seen them before. They're knocking on his gate. And God, this is what God tells Peter. Go with them. Don't ask any questions. That's all. Go with them. Nothing doubting. Don't ask anything. Just go with them. See, sometimes God directs like they just take the step. Go. And uh, but we are, we're not like that. We say, God, I want to know everything. I want to have all the details down. And, uh, I, I, and, and unless I understand this thoroughly, I'm not going to take a step. Well, listen, it's nice to have that kind of a approach, but it doesn't always work when you're, when you're walking with God. Sometimes God just says, go, don't ask any questions. Amen? So as you start moving, then the steering comes, then things get clearer, then the understanding comes, and the, the more specific direction for your life begins to unfold. But you need to start moving if you want steering. You've got to learn to take in incremental steps. Take the first step and then as things unfold, begin to take incremental steps. Keep moving forward. You know, just like this, how, when we wanted to find an auditorium for, for, our, for this place uh, to move next, we just didn't sit down and say, Lord, send us an auditorium. You know, we prayed. We declared the word of God. We, we prayed definitely. But somebody had to go and search. So Brother Jacobar did a lot of that. He went around looking for different auditoriums and he probably visited every major auditorium in the city. And, and finally, there's only one auditorium that said yes to us. So it didn't take much of praying after that. 
only one auditorium that said yes. That was the only one we could go to. And uh, there was one hurdle that was left. You know, uh, the auditorium we are moving to is not too far from a badminton court where Rays of Love Fellowship is meeting. And so the, the moment we found out that St. Joseph's Indian High School Auditorium was available, I said, no, we won't take it because Rays of Love Fellowship uh, with Pastor S.R. Manohar is not too far away and it's not nice to get close to another church. So we said, just let's just discard it. So we kept looking for other auditoriums. We couldn't find anything else. There's the only one left. So then the only thing I could do was I called Brother Pastor Manoa. I said, you know, uh, Pastor Manoa, here's the situation. We have outgrown our current place. The only auditorium that said yes to us is the one very close to you. Is it okay if we move there? Is it okay? So I asked him. Then he said, hey, it's perfectly fine. You're most welcome. The congregation that you have is totally different from the congregation we have. We're very different kinds of congregation. You're most welcome. And also, they're going to be moving out of that place shortly. So he said, you know, we are moving out, so it's no problem. You're most welcome to come. And so everything cleared up. It was just wonderful. And that's how we're making this transition. Amen. But the thing is, we had to start moving if we needed steering, direction from God, where to go. Our things were clear. We needed an auditorium that could hold at least 1,000 people because we didn't want to move again, uh, I mean, rapidly. We needed an auditorium that could uh, that had enough space for us, for our children's church, which is growing. Uh, we needed an auditorium that would allow us to store our equipment. We had certain requirements. All of them I met. We needed a good enough parking space. You know, when you have 1,000 people coming, you need a lot of parking. So we needed all, we had a certain set of requirements. All of them were met in this auditorium, and it was wonderful. But we had to go look for God to guide us to that place. Amen. So when you want direction, you have to start moving if you want steering. Last two points here. Number four is this, taking the next step. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own. Now listen very carefully. The Bible didn't say don't use your understanding. Right? Some of us read that scripture and say, okay, I won't use my understanding. We need to start using some of it. He didn't say don't use your understanding. It said don't lean on your own understanding. That means you're not. You're dependent. Your reliance is not on your understanding. It's on God. You use your understanding, please, because God gave it to you. Amen? But don't lean on it. Don't depend on it. Don't rely on it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, well-known scripture for all of us. It says, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will establish your steps. He will make your path straight. He will establish your steps. So I want God to establish my steps, but here's the instruction. Trust in Him with all my heart. I use my understanding, but I don't lean on it. And in everything, I acknowledge Him as my Lord. I'm doing this for Him, by Him, through Him, and unto Him. He's the Lord. Of this next step that I'm going to take. Amen. But I don't lean on my own understanding. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says. The heart of a man devises his way. But it's the Lord who directs his steps. So you think through. You plan everything. But I love God to direct it. The final direction comes from God. So you use your mind. You get all the information you can. You put them all down. Say God you know. This, 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 this. Therefore this is the decision I have to make. Is it right? If God says it's right, go ahead and do it. 
But if God says, no, uh, it's good that you use all your understanding, but here's what I want you to do, then go with what God says. Amen? Because God's lead, leading supersedes our understanding. Amen? God's leading must always supersede our understanding. If God says something different from what we have concluded, we go with what God said, not with our own conclusions. That's what it means. I don't lean on my own understanding. I don't rely on it. I use it, but if God has an alt a different way He wants me to go, I'll go His way, not what I have come to a conclusion on. Now, I'll just give you some examples. This was back in 1989, in December of 1989. I was in my uh, final year in engineering college in Manipal. And uh, the exams, the semester exams, were just about a week away. And... Uh, a dear brother, his name is Davis. He was in the medical school, and he's the one who took over that uh, fellowship from uh, in Manipal from me. Davis came to me and he said, "You know, there's a couple, a missionary couple called Doctors Mark and Betsy. They've come from Tulsa, and they want to conduct a two-day seminar in our university campus. And they asked if we can arrange it for them. Now, here's what I did. I used my understanding. Say, look." Exam next week. Seminar on Saturday, Sunday. Exam on Wednesday. No way. And these are not sessional exams. These are semester exams. Very important. If you pass, it's, I mean, you have to pass. So I said, Davis, just tell them absolutely no. Because, you know, next week we're having our semester exams. Everybody, all the students are studying. It will not be fair for us to hold a two-day seminar on Saturday, Sunday. Expect students to come. And then they have to go and do their semester exams on Wednesday. It's not right. We can't do it. Just tell them no. But that night as I slept and in the morning, just as I woke up, as I just came to my senses that morning, just woke up. This was the scripture came to my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And God just spoke so clearly saying, have them come and do the seminar. Very clear. No questions asked. So I knew what to do. My mind, I had used my understanding. And according to my understanding, it's not a good thing to do because exams are starting the coming week. But now God, God's instruction supersedes my understanding. And I have to obey God. Even though it means... It's, it, it's a little illogical. It's, it's unreasonable at this point. It's a little risky even. You know, having a two-day seminar, and I'm supposed to be studying, and all, our, all, our, all the students are supposed to be studying for the exam, to have a two-day seminar and expect them to stay the whole day there. But God had spoken. He said, don't lean on your own. Understand. So I called Davis. I said, Davis, just give them a call. Tell them to come. Tell them we'll host it. Everything is fine. Let them come. So they came to Manipal that Saturday, that Sunday. They did a two-day uh, seminar for us. And it was the first time I saw, uh, the, both of them are qualified medical doctors. They had two specialties each, highly qualified. And yet they were traveling around the world, equipping professionals to combine the professional skills with the spiritual ammunition that's in the Word of God. For the first time in my life, I saw this happen. Where they were teaching, uh, we were engineering and medical students, that's it. Engineering, medical, some nursing, some from, from law, law, law school. We're all sitting there listening to these two medical doctors, teaching us how to combine uh, our, our natural professions with the spiritual skills that God has given to us. 
was an office of time. My heart was so knit to what they had to teach and impart to us. I just broke down in tears at the end of Sunday evening when they had to leave Manipal. There was something connecting in two days between in my heart with them. And that was it. They left, finished. Four years later, May of 1993, I was in the United States. I was at a very, very difficult point in my life. Financially, I was down. I didn't know what to do. It was a very difficult point in my life. I get a call from Drs. Mark and Betsy. And they said, we want you to come to Tulsa. We're having this two-week spiritual skills course. We want you to be a part of it. We'll take care of all your expenses. And I went there. And it was during that time, in May of 1993, I received the strongest, probably the most strongest, most important prophetic word over my life. That really set me going in God and changed my direction. I mean, it really, really impacted my life in a very powerful way. How did it happen? Because back in 1989, I was willing to say yes to God and have them come and do a two-day seminar for us. A relationship was built. Four years later, something so powerful happened in my life through them. Amen. So we don't know sometimes what God's got in store. So when God's leading supersedes our understanding, we have to go with God's leading. Amen. Go with what God says because you know He sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything. And there's a reason why He says, and you know, we all did well in our exams. All this thing about, you know, being so scared and everything. Hey, we all finished. No problem. So, uh, all this worry and, uh, and sometimes this anxiety because of our own understanding. Sometimes we need to set it aside and trust God. Amen. Don't lean on your own understanding. Another major thing that happened in my life was uh, finding the person I was going to get married to. 1993. That same year of 1993. Um. Uh, it was about the May of 1993 when I sat down. I said, God, you know, this year, you know, you reach a point of desperation in life for, for different things. <laughs> so I said, God, this year I have to find the person I'm going to get married to. I have to find, 1993. So I did what most of you young people are doing right now. <laughs> I took my notebook and I wrote down, what do I want in my wife? So I listed out all the different things that I want in my wife. These are kind of qualities. These are things I'm looking for in a person I'm going to share my life with. And then, to be nice, I flipped the page and I wrote, what can I give to my wife? So I listed out, you know, okay, marriage is a two-way thing. It's not just what I want from my wife, but what can I give to my What can I bring to my marriage? I wrote those things down. Very good. Clear. First step. <laughs> If you are looking for a wife, you need, to know, know, you need to know what kind of a wife you're looking for. Amen? So, I did that, started praying. and uh, Now, just to give you a little background. Uh, I was part of a student fellowship in Manipal that I started earlier. I left for the United States. And then uh, I continued writing because, you know, in, in, a, in a university setting, every year students graduate and leave. And then you have new batch of students coming in. And so... My objective was I needed to work with the leader so that the, 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 the fellowship can continue through time. So I was to regularly write letters to the, 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 the leaders there, encouraging them, just 
inspiring them to continue the work, keep the work going. And they were doing a tremendous job. But my part was just write letters to them, encourage them. You know, those days emails were not so easy, SMS and all that stuff was, you know, unheard of. So let it do the old-fashioned snail mail. So, writing letters and doing that stuff. And uh, 93, there was, a, uh, there's a new and there was a new batch of students who were now becoming leaders. Amy was one of them. And, uh, uh, and several of them from Malaysia. In February of 93, I came to India, went to Manipal to minister, but most of the Malaysian students were back home, so I didn't get to meet them. So when I went back to the United States, I wrote to all these students who were emerging leaders, just encouraging them and all of that. And uh, over the course of that year, I, exchanged about four, I sent about four or five letters to Amy, in addition to a lot of other people. I was writing to a lot of other you know, brothers and sisters. Hey, <laughs> listen, <laughs> until you get married to that one, <laughs> they're all brothers and sisters, all right? So, brothers and sisters, you know, and writing to them, but, uh, so I've written about five letters or so to Amy, she written uh, maybe two or three, something like that. And uh, November of 22nd, November 22nd, 1993, I came back from college. I was living in a, in a one-bedroom, one-room apartment. Came back from college. I was praying in the spirit in my little room. And I sensed so clearly the Lord telling me, and you know, you say, how do you sense it? And I can't explain it to you. You just sense it. You just know. <laughs> You know, I can't get into all the mechanics of it. You just know that God has spoken or God has put something in your heart. I just said so clearly, you know, God saying, write to Amy and ask her if she'll be willing to consider the possibility of marrying you. Now, I never met Amy. Amy had never seen me. We didn't know what each other looked like. We'd exchanged a couple, you know, a handful of letters. And here, here was this thing being put in my heart. So I just prayed. I said, okay, God, you know, uh, it's scary. And uh, what if it goes wrong? What if it goes to the wrong address? <laughs> you know? Gosh, this will be like Times of India's, India's you know, headlines. Scandal. <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's such a big thing. And, and, and you know, that will be the end of my, you know, my ministry. You know? <laughs> Everything shut down. Caught in scandal, you know, doing all this. I said, okay, God, you know. So my prayer was, God, please prepare Amy and please protect me. You know? <laughs> no, prepare her. Please make sure that nothing bad happens. You know, this letter must go to the right person and everything must be okay. And so I wrote the letter. You know, I didn't say, thus says the Lord. <laughs> I didn't say an angel appeared to me, nothing. I just said, you know, would you be willing to consider the possibility of marrying me? If so, then here are the things we need to work through. We've never seen each other. Um, uh, we don't know what each other's life's calling are. We don't know what our parents will say. Uh, you know, our culture, what about our culture differences, etc. Different things. Just listed them down. Prayed. Send the letter. That same day, number 22nd, 1993, Amy in, in money pal, she had re just received a, a couple of letters. One of, the, one of them was from me and some from her home and all of that. And she was sitting in her, uh, at, the, at the cafeteria or having tea with her friend. 
And a friend looks up to her and says, Amy, just consider this hypothetical situation. What if this guy, Ashish, asks you to marry him? This was November 22nd, 1993. About 10,000 miles away. Something like this happening. God putting something in my heart. I'm writing the letter with fear and trembling. <laughs> About 10,000 miles away. You know, God is using somebody else to pose a question to Amy. To start her thinking and something happening. Now, if you ask me, could I have figured this out with my understanding? I would say no. Impossible. But then that's where, when you want to take the next step, you've got to understand, with God, you've got to come to a place where you don't lean on your own understanding. Trust God. Amen? The last point, we'll go, go through it quick. Once you've taken your next step, don't waver. Once you've taken your next step, don't waver. You know, the moment you take your next step, an uninvited guest called Mr. D. Evil will show up. He's not invited, but he's almost sure to show up. And he's going to put all kinds of doubts in your mind. All kinds of fears, anxieties, questions. And he will use anything around you to tell you that, hey, you've taken the next step. You left God behind, way, way behind. Even God lost his way. You lost your way. Both of you are in trouble. Forget it. But just remember, God said, he'll never leave you. Remember that God is with you always. When you take your next step. Amen. You know sometimes. Uh, once you take your next. You know sometimes we have this wrong notion that. Hey because I've taken a step. That God directed me to take. Therefore life's going to be easy. Wrong. Just because God directed you to take this next step. Doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Doesn't mean you don't have to work hard. You prayed and God said go to engineering college. You joined engineering and then, oh God, this thing called chemistry has no chemistry with me, God. It's, 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 it's like from outer space. Why did you tell me to get into engineering? And so we think like, you know, God directed me to do engineering, so everything's going to be easy. No, not necessarily. You've got to work hard, amen? You know, some of us say, God, you work, I'll bless you. <laughs> but that's not what God said. He said, you work, He will bless you. <laughs> Amen. So we come to church. I will bless the Lord at all times. We sing all our blessing songs to God. And we expect God to work. But God said, I will bless all the work of your hands. So you do the work. The blessing comes from God. So, you know, the devil uses this thing. Oh, see how hard you have to work. This is probably not God's will for your life. So what if you have to work hard? This is God's will. Keep going. Sometimes there could be delays. You could have bouts of discouragement. Disappointments. You might even feel confused. You might even feel like you made a mistake. But just remember God's with you. Amen.
you've taken this step for the best you know how, God is with you. He'll take you through it. Amen. You know, when we started the church, when we moved back to India, and we had all these dreams, we want to establish a strong church and, you know, spend one year before praying and speaking the word, you know, doing um, airstrikes from Chicago to Bangalore in prayer, right? Just praying from there over Bangalore and all these air raids and came here thinking, oh, wow, we're going to start the church and hundreds of people are going to flock and wonderful is going to happen and all the things are going to happen. And then, you know, we started the work and after two years, we're still about 25, 35. And you're wondering, man, life would have been much easier back there. Same distance from New Jersey to the Pearly Gates as it is from Bangalore to the Pearly Gates. Same distance, I'll still make it. And you begin to have these kinds of thoughts. You feel discouraged. You feel, uh, sometimes feel confused. Things are, seem like they're delayed and, and you want to give up. Just because all these things are happening and things are not going at the speed which you thought they would go does not mean that you made a mistake. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you got to press through. It just means you need something called endurance. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 6, 12, through faith and endurance we inherit the promise. You need to have endurance. You need to come and keep going, keep pressing on. If you're going to make it, no, nothing wrong with the step you took. It's just that you've got to press on. Sometimes it's distractions. Now, as soon as we moved back to Bangalore, you know, God gave us the ability to start a company. Now, I could have said, well, this was more one of my other dreams. I could, I'll just focus on the company and forget the ministry. Forget it. Thank God for this company and it's icing on the cake. It's the, it's the ice cream, but the real mutton biryani is the ministry. Amen. That's why we came back for. We came to do the work of the Lord. So I'm not going to let anything. This is just a sidekick. The real stuff is the ministry, the call of God. So I cannot get distracted. Cannot, you know, cannot get, I love these other things to distract me. You've got to stay focused on what you set out to do. Things might be delayed. You might feel just a little discouraged. But hey, you've got to keep your eyes on God and keep going. Because you've taken the step believing that God's directing you. Amen. It's a great example in Matthew, the 14th chapter of Peter. You know, Peter and his, and his, and his buddies are in the boat. And uh, there's a storm out there. And then they see, they see what they think was Casper, the friendly ghost, coming on the water. And they think, whoa, it's a ghost. And then Jesus says, no, 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 it's me. Don't be afraid. Hey, it's me, Jesus. And uh, Peter says, well, Lord, if it's you, then bid me come to you on the water. What did Jesus say? You know, it's so amazing how God leads. Jesus gave him one word, not a sentence. He just said, come. That was it. Come. Jesus didn't give him a big paragraph how he was going to walk on the water. He just said, Come. But you know, when we are looking for direction, we want, you know, a complete thesis from God. This is how we step out of the boat. And this is how, for your sake, I'm going to temporarily suspend the laws of gravity. 
and, and this is how you're going to take steps on the water. And we want God to explain the whole thing to us. And God just says, come. That was it. That was it. And when God leads you, sometimes all he says is, go. All he says is, yes, do it. That's it. And then we, we want everything else. We want, God, how is it going to happen? How many steps can I take? And uh, uh, can, I, can I come back to the boat? And all those things we want. And God just says, come, go. Yes, one word of direction. But you know that one word of direction from God is more than enough for you to take your next step? It's more than enough. Do you know that Peter could have actually walked all the way to Jesus, come back with Jesus and go into the boat perfectly fine? He could have done that. Amen? Every, all his buddies would say, hey, Peter, man, how did you do it? You know? Peter said, I'll tell you. Read my epistle, you know. But unfortunately, as Peter was walking on the water, his brain kicks in. He says, listen, all Jesus said was come, but he didn't tell me how many steps. Have I taken more steps than I should have taken? And wait a minute, I've been a fisherman for all these, you know, I don't know how old he was, maybe 35. I've been a fisherman all these 35 years and I've never seen anybody else do this. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe it's just a dream. And so all this thinking goes along, and then he sees this big wave coming. Hey, this is really bad. And he starts to sink. A good thing is he cries out for help. Jesus comes and holds him. And you know what Jesus says? Oh, you of little faith, why did you? That's the only thing Jesus says. He didn't say you took more steps than you were allowed. That's why you sang. No, no, you stepped out of time. It was wrong timing. You should have waited two more seconds. Then you would not have sung. None of that. All he said was, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That was all. It was not wrong, an issue of timing. It was not an issue of more steps. It was not an issue of the wrong side of the boat. Just that. You doubt it. That's all. If you had kept your faith, hey, Peter would have walked all the way to Jesus, met with Jesus, and walked all the way back as a hero. Got on the boat. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. Why? Because he doubted. He took the step. But then he gave in to doubt. So once you take your step, don't entertain doubt. Even though the storms will be higher now. Even though now you're feeling God, this is absolutely shaky here. At least I was safe in the boat. But here I'm on the water. Storms looking darker and higher and more fierce. What do I do? Keep your faith. Don't entertain doubts. Amen? You'll keep going. Your miracle will happen. Amen? Once you take your next step, don't waver. 
Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you made a mistake. That's what he's there to do. You just keep going. Say, I know. I've prayed. I trusted God. I've taken this step. The Bible says he's directing my steps. Even if I fall, he's going to hold me up. I have nothing to worry. I'm going on. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet. We're ready to take a next step. So I want to encourage you this morning. You know, as a church, we are taking a next step. We're moving on with God. This is the last time we're meeting this auditorium. We're taking another step. We know God's gone ahead of us. He's prepared the way for us. He's leading us on into our destiny. Now, I want to encourage each one of you. You take your next step in life. Don't yield to the donkey syndrome. Standing there and wondering and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Go ahead. Take your step. Don't be hasty horsey trying to run ahead of God. You got to be moving if you want the steering. Don't lean on your own understanding. Apply these things here that you heard this morning. I want to encourage you, whatever area of life it may be, that you need to take the next step. I want to encourage you to go ahead and take that step. Amen.